Consumer Reports. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Devoting five broadcasts to the incredible saga, The Last Days of Pompeii. Imagine, if you will, any cosmopolitan coastal resort suddenly swallowed up and disappearing. And then imagine uncovering this treasure house of civilization, piece by piece, person by person, putting together this puzzle of the past, which is our task and adventure all this week on Mystery Theater. And why do you come to see me, fair Julia? Because I need your magic, Arbaces. The power of revenge. Do you believe that I, Arbaces, the high priest of Isis, can give you such power? Or why do you wish it? I do not relish being rejected by a man. Can you give me power over his life? Today's drama... Throne to the Lions is the second part of Bulwer Lytton's classic, The Last Days of Pompeii, adapted especially for Mystery Theater by Gerald Keene and stars Russell Horton. I'll be back shortly with Act One. And that's why we say, go out and buy your bunch today. And that's your new TV commercial, Mr. Slork, for Snacky Crackies with Raisin Pits. How much did that actually cost me? Cost? Yes. <clears throat> Well, we're still adding it all up here. 42000 Gee, TV is so expensive. Hmm, not as long as there aren't any changes. Did, did I mention there may soon be a worldwide shortage of raisin pits? One TV version without raisin How pits. How much will that add to the... 3000 and, and we want to tell health nuts we make snackies with uh, health, health nuts. nuts. 279000 And we need a version that will talk to the financial community. Put the singing mouse and the dancing bunny in a business suit for... Let me add uh, that one for you. 380, if business conditions make it necessary, with radio you can afford to change commercials fast. If you want to really target consumer groups, it won't cost a fortune to make commercials that fit each audience. Put amazingly flexible radio to work as a primary medium. Radio, it's red hot. For the red hot facts, call this station or the Radio Advertising Bureau. They brought you this message. I'm not the handiest person in the world. But nowadays, do-it-yourself home repair is almost a necessity. Admittedly, some of my work is not perfect, but it gets by. Like many people, I try painting, woodworking, and even masonry. But I never dabble with electricity, because it can be dangerous and not forgiving of carelessness. Yes, Americans are learning how to do more with their hands, and hopefully are not forgetting some of the old rules, like never mixing water and electricity, and reading all power tool instruction booklets before use. And let's not forget about the rule to check for damaged electrical cords either. And remember the one to always dress appropriately. Wear closed-toed, sturdy shoes and safety glasses. And finally, never leave power tools unattended. And keep children away from the work area. A public service announcement from Underwriters Laboratories in this station. crossroads in time, oblivious to its future. In four days, it will have disappeared under 30 feet of volcanic ash. Until an hour ago, today, August the 21st, 79 AD, it was a favorite Italian vacation town for Romans, Greeks, and Egyptians. A happy town filled with warm, fun-loving people. Then suddenly, in the early hours of this morning, it was shaken by an earthquake. About four on today's Richter scale, Marcus Rufus, a young Athenian architect who makes his home in Pompeii, takes up the tale. I've never experienced an earthquake before, but I vowed that I would live through this one. 
one thing, I had a lot to live for. Oriana, a woman I hardly knew but already loved, whom I was able to rescue that night. Statues and roof tiles fell like rain, but we managed unhurt to get to the open square of the forum. And safety. Marcus Wilbert, how did you find me? My slave girl, Lydia, awoke me to tell me you'd been kidnapped. I put two and two together and found you in the Temple of Isis. Kidnapped? I knew right away there was more to it than that. Funny. I can't seem to remember. Look, the temple, the walls. The temple. There's nothing left standing. Hear ye, O people of Pompeii. Nothing left but its high priest, Arbaces. I must go to him. He may be hurt. Let go of my arm. Oriana, you will not go to him. I will not let you. But why not? The man is mad. Isn't that enough reason for you? Citizens of Pompeii, this earthquake is a warning. See for yourself, Oriana. Look at it. Standing there on the steps to the Temple of Isis. Steps leading to nowhere, shouting to no one. In this entire forum, who is there but us? The next time, a god will not be his We'd never get back to my home. At last. Apocytes, brother, are you here? Oriana, are you all right? Oh, Marcus Rufus, forgive me. I, I didn't see you at first. Has the quake done any damage to our house? Not one column in the atrium budged a centimeter. The marble fawn still stands in the fountain. But you should see the center of Pompeii. Hardly a building left standing. Let me go bathe my face. I'll be back. Where has Oriana been all this night, Marcus? I can't tell you how worried I was. I had no idea where to look for her. Well, I found her in the Temple of Isis. That's a long story. Fortunately, we were able to get out before it was completely destroyed. The Egyptians' temple destroyed? Yeah, nothing left of it but the stone steps. What of him, the high priest? He survived. Was he hurt? Well, not so one could notice it. When we came away, he was shouting dire predictions to anyone who would listen. You speak in a mocking tone about this holy man, Marcus. Epicides, I know you are studying the ministry with him, but believe me, this isn't mockery in my voice, but anger. Somehow, I, I don't know how, that high priest, that man you think so holy, had a hand in kidnapping your sister. Kidnapping? <sighs> you said that to me before, Marcus. I don't remember that. What do you remember, Oriana? It's coming back now. Like through a haze. Albaces came into the garden last night. Telling me I had to return to the temple of Isis with him. That very instant. And then... Then I don't know. <gasps> yes, I do. He gave me something to drink. All the rest is whirling away. And then... Your voice, Marcus, calling me. Taking hold of my hand and running. I think, Oriana, there has been enough talk for one night, enough excitement. Well, the earthquake tremors seem to have passed. I thank Jove, you're sound and well. Now, I urge you to get some rest. See that she does, Evocides. We can talk about all this tomorrow. Good night, Marcus. I can never thank you enough. Nor can I. Within two days, Marcus, you've twice come to our rescue. Yesterday, mine, and today... Oriana's. Strangely enough, I was haunted by the thought that the earthquake that rocked Pompeii that night was not nearly as dangerous to Oriana as her friendship with that Egyptian high priest, Arbaces. Obviously, he drugged her and brought her to the temple. And had not my blind slave girl Lydia warned me... Oriana might have disappeared from my life. Oh, there had been other women who interested me. Ah, Julia. I was stricken with guilt. Julia, who until a few days ago had been the woman of my dreams. I'd completely forgotten her. Pastor, may I have a word with you? <clears throat> what? Hmm? 
Have you been asleep in the temple steps all night, Master? For shame. Well, who, who comes upon me so suddenly in the morning? We have not spoken before, but I know you to be the high priest of this temple. Oh, what was this temple? These few steps are all that remain. No. No, I have not been sleeping, woman. I have been praying to the gods to help me rebuild. Who are you? I am Julia, from the house of Diomed. Diomed? The merchant and shipowner? The same. He is my father. Do you know him? He came here once, not long ago, and tried to induce a miracle to guarantee the safety of his ships by making a donation to the temple of fool's gold. Julia, sit by my side, my child, and tell me what has brought you to see me. Your fame, great master. Your knowledge and power are well known in Pompeii. I need your help. <laughs> what is it that could possibly trouble such a beautiful young lady? You don't appear unhappy. I wish to have the power of one of the Greek Furies. Which? The Eumenides. Ah, so it is revenge you seek. Pitiless, vindictive punishment. Why do you wish it? Julia does not relish being rejected for another. You love someone who loves not you. He did. Until a very few days ago. Now I have learned he has given his heart to another woman. I must triumph over my rival. I must have power over his life. <laughs> Tell me, if I had such a power, why should I make it known to you? For two reasons. First, this purse of gold. There's enough gold to rebuild the entire temple of Isis... Stone by stone. Perhaps I don't need a second reason. You shall have it for nothing. The woman I wish revenge upon is Oriana. Oriana? Who lives in the house of the marble form? The same. Ah, her brother, Apocides, is studying the Egyptian ministry with me. Oh, yes, yes. I believe I know of Oriana. Arbaces. Can our relationship, yours and mine, be an honest one? Naturally. Oriana is not as casually known to you as you make out. And I would like you to trust me enough not to pretend. Well, you, you seem to have overheard the gossip of Pompeii. A woman as outspoken as Oriana cannot live a life unnoticed. Not here, not in Pompeii. There's not only talk, but certain knowledge of your interest and... Shall I say, affection for her? Can you help me teach an unforgettable lesson to both Oriana and the man who should be mine? Uh, tell me, not so gentle, Julia, this stupid suitor who has angered you, he is certainly of noble birth. True, quite noble. Uh, can he be from Pompeii and reject such beauty as yours? He is of Athens. Aha, yes. There is but one Athenian, young and noble in Pompeii. Is he Marcus Aurelius Rufus? Yes. You will keep my secret? Of course. Marcus Rufus. Julia, I shall help you. Oriana, are you awake? Of course I'm awake. And dressed. How do you feel today, sister, after last night's adventure? Refreshed, but still strange. Last night seemed like a distant nightmare. That it was. The center of Pompeii destroyed by an earthquake. So it was true. Is that all you remember? No. Brother, I think the high priest of Isis took me by force to the temple. Why have we been so blind, believing in that man and his greatness for so long? I too, Oriana. I trusted our bases. I believed he was good. And now I... I feel somehow betrayed. Last night, everything suddenly became unclean. I thought he was quite mad. Perhaps he is. I too feel betrayed. For me, it's worse than that. I need something, someone to believe in. A religion of some kind. A star to guide me. And now I, I'm left without anything. 
you remember yesterday morning going underground to hear Paul the Nazarene? When he talked about Christ, wasn't it inspiring? Perhaps Christ is the answer. Go, brother. Find out if the disciple Paul is still preaching in Pompeii and come back and tell me. Come with me now. It's still early. Marcus Rufus will be here soon. I cannot leave the house now. You, you go, brother. Oh, Marcus will understand. He'll wait. He's a good friend. I feel he's more than that. I have something important to tell him. And he can't wait? Surely finding Paul is much more important. Marcus will wait. I'm certain. But I cannot. I woke up with his name on my lips. What does that mean? That I must tell him something I have been wanting to tell someone for years now. Are you serious, Oriana? About Marcus Rufus. As I have never been about anyone in my whole life. You love him? I wish us to become engaged to be married. Today. <sighs> Oriana, I must say, when you make up your mind, you act. I have a premonition. I don't know how much longer we of Pompeii will have time for love. <laughs> Oriana couldn't have had an inkling that within four days, Pompey would be a doomed city. But, highly intuitive, she might have sensed something in the air. Her brother, Apocides, also could not have known that the Egyptian beliefs in many gods would be superseded by Christianity. But he, too, had a highly developed sixth sense. It was this that compelled him to seek out the man who centuries later would be known to the world as St. Paul. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. This week on Knott's Landing, Karen's efforts to defend her daughter's school teacher from her neighbor's attacks lead her into a relationship that could destroy her marriage. Starting this afternoon, I'm going to do whatever I can to help beat you. I wonder if you'd say that if you didn't have those curly blue eyes. Michelle Lee stars on Knott's Landing, Thursday night at 10, 9 central, on CBS Television. Suppose I asked you to lunch tomorrow. Ask! The word is out. There's an outrageous new thriller just published entitled Out. It's the unbelievable story of two mob kingpins, a two-timing shyster, and a mall named Zaza, all involved in a daring plot to launder billions of mob money through a Swiss bank. The only trouble is the one man with the password to get the money out has vanished. Well, not exactly. His leg is found on the Geneva to Zurich train. For Out and Out Entertainment, read Out by Pierre Ray, a bantam book where paperbacks are sold. Maybe we're all too emotional when we think about special education for handicapped children. We always think of human values, not dollar values. Maybe it's time we took a cold, hard look at these kids and what it costs to develop their potential. Okay, the truth. Special education and vocational training cost a lot of money. Special teachers, special equipment, special classes. It all adds up. But here's the catch. It costs even more not to educate handicapped people. Much more. Keeping people dependent for life or keeping them in institutions. Those are luxuries we can't afford. So don't be emotional. Look at it coldly in dollars and cents. With special education, most handicapped children grow up to become taxpayers. It's a good investment. A public service message on behalf of the United States Office of Education. August 21st, 79 A.D. There is love, there is hate, there is jealousy, plots being hatched, revenge sought. The ebb and flow of life in those ancient days as unearthed and unmasked by that great Victorian baronet, Sir Edward Bulwer-Lytton, in his vivid book, The Last Days of Pompeii. Marcus Rufus, the Athenian, continues the story. Within the hour after dawn... I was at the gate of the house of the marble fawn, Oriana's house, ringing the bells and waiting admittance. A very good morning to you, Marcus. Forgive me, but I must hurry along. Oh, Hepatitis. Well, where to at this early hour? The city still sleeps. 
Can I trust you with a secret, Marcus? Well, I hope so. The events of last night have changed my mind about the future. You're no longer going into the ministry? If I do, it will not be in the Temple of Isis. Let me put it this way. Yesterday morning, the both of us went to a secret meeting to hear Paul, the Nazarene. And we both truly believe what he preached. Right now, I'm going to try to find him to see whether I could be converted. Marcus, I know it's the way for me. Father, whatever is going on in our house, I can't leave you alone for two minutes. <laughs> two minutes? You've been out of the house all morning, Julia. I come home, the atrium is filled with servants, caterers... My father is giving a party. What are you celebrating? Uh, uh, failure and success, daughter. <laughs> failure because, as you know, I lost another three ships in yesterday's storm. But I, I console myself. I might have lost the cargoes anyway in last night's earthquake. So we have less money than we ever had, and you throw a big, expensive party. Uh, oh, oh, only, only for a few friends. Uh, do you remember Marcus Rufus? Uh, weren't you seeing quite a lot of him at one time? Yes, I remember him. Uh, well, well, we are going into business together, Marcus and I. He has contracts to put up quite a few fancy villas. Some facing the bay, some on the slopes of Vesuvius, expensive ones. He will design them, and I'll take care of the stonemasons, the plumbers, the roof tires. In short, the building. Of course, Julia, you're welcome to invite anyone you wish. I thought you'd never say so. Oh, child, child, anyone. There's plenty of food and wine. This is your house as much as mine. Who would you like? I would like to invite the high priest of the Temple of Isis. Ah, bases? You're joking. Why are you so surprised, Father? Well, I... I, I really don't see what uh, we people of commerce have to do with it. And if you, well, I don't know. Uh, a religious fanatic. Well, you didn't think he was such a fanatic when you promised to send him gold to protect your ships. Who told you that? He did. Well, well I, I knew he couldn't protect those ships. I mean, I, I wasn't serious about it. It's too bad you weren't. Perhaps your ships wouldn't have been wrecked. Now, Julia, I, I am not going to argue with you about this fellow's powers. You want our bases here? Well, I said you may. So you may. Now, anyone else you'd like to invite? Marcus Rufus is coming. Well, of course he is. The banquet's mainly in his honor. <laughs> when a man of his young years offers me a new business and a new lease of life, oh, you can bet I make sure <laughs> the guest of honor arrives. I'd like to be placed between Marcus and our bases at dinner. Ah, well, I'll do as I can, Julia. Well, you'd better run along now and invite your high priest. The banquet will begin three hours before sunset. And I don't want you strolling in while we're toasting the gods. That's Diomed, the ship owner, for you. The man's practically bankrupt, and he has to throw a party for our new building business. I hated to leave Oriana today, especially now that she'd agreed we could be officially engaged. But old Diomed would have been too disappointed. Now, that's how it is. Think it over, my boy. You don't understand, Master. But of course I understand. You just talked to Paul the Nazarene. He is a convincing speaker. I know all about him. But to go off and leave your family and join him. These aren't decisions to be made hastily. I speak to you as an Egyptian with the wisdom of the ages behind me. Master, are there any more marble pieces this size? Try the other side. Some may have fallen there. The workers from Luxor. They happen to be in the city. I was lucky to get them to start rebuilding. Nice now, where was I? It's not the age of Egyptian civilization. It's what I feel in my heart, Master. <laughs> we Egyptians were already civilized when you Romans and Greeks were learning how to hold a sword. I wish I could convince you. I want to convert. I must. Paul talked to me in my own language. He made me understand. All I say to you... Before you go off and join this Paul in his travels, is reflect. Have you talked it over with your sister, Oriana? She knows how I feel. 
I couldn't get any sense out of her today anyway. She became engaged to marry Marcus Rufus this morning. And that's all she has on her mind. Marcus Aurelius Rufus, uh, the Athenian. Is it definite? So far as I know. I stopped in on my way here. They were both walking around with moonstruck faces. Oh, excuse me, Master. I didn't mean to interrupt. Julia, what brings you here? Oh, do you know Apocides, my seminarian? Apocides is Oriana's brother. Oh, yes. I certainly know your sister. Apocides brings me some interesting news. Oriana and Marcus Rufus are announcing their engagement today. What? Yes. I thought you would be interested. Do you know the Athenian, Julia? I most certainly do. Uh, I have a bit of news myself. My father is giving a small party today, and, and I ask that you be invited, Master. Oh, thank you, Julia. But I don't attend private parties. I am at prayer before the dinner hour anyway. Perhaps you could make an exception this time. You see, the honored guest will be Marcus Rufus, and there will be much wine and many toasts. Uh, who else besides Diomed, your father? Probably Publius Cornelius and... The senator from Rome? The same. You and I and Marcus Rufus and a small group. Uh, do you think your father would mind if I brought along Apocides here? Well, not at all. He told me to invite anyone I wanted. But I won't know anyone there. You know Marcus Rufus, don't you? After all, he's going to be your brother-in-law. Now, Master Arbaces, can we talk privately concerning that matter I came to see you about this morning? Yes, I have, uh, I have been thinking about it. Apocides, uh, you know the house of Diomed? Well, I'll see you there at the usual dining time. Now, if you will excuse us. I'm afraid, Julia, there is no place here in the forum that's very private. I know. Let's go to the docks where my father ties up his boats. There's no one there now, and we won't be observed. Now, you ask for a potion that would make Oriana despise Marcus and Marcus despise her. I have a small vial given to me by the oracle I went to visit when I was last in Thebes. What can it do? All I know is... I was told to administer it carefully to an enemy, for it can bring on madness. Let me have it. I shall put it in Marcus's wine. You wish him mad? He's mad already, turning his back on me, betrothing himself to a woman he hardly knows. Give me the vial, Arbaces. Who knows? Perhaps this potion will make him sane. <laughs> The senator's cup is empty. Hey, hey, Jimmy, I compliment you. This is the coolest atrium I have been in in all of Pompeii. <laughs> well, it is the fountain, Senator. I have water running all the time. It freshens the air. Oh, and I love the sound. Here come, everybody. Eat and drink up. <laughs> Julia. Julia, this is no time for fasting. Hey, Marcus, have more mushrooms. It will keep your hair red. <laughs> attention, attention, everyone, all my good friends. <clears throat> Senator Cornelius, Julia, my daughter, Abbasis, the holy man from the Temple of Isis, and his seminarian, this quiet young man on my right, and all of you, I lift up my cup, in honor of my new partner, the famous young architect, Marcus Aurelius Rufus, who has convinced me it's more profitable to build houses than to sail ships. It's <laughs> never been proved. <laughs> more wine here. Well, well, perhaps not, Senator. But uh, my heart isn't in ships anymore. So let us lift our cups and drink to Marcus and myself and our new venture. Oh, no. Oh, Marcus Rufus. How can you ever forgive me? I jostled your arm and spilled your wine. Here, Marcus. Take my cup. I'll have another. Thank you. Bring me wine this instant. Well, now then, now then. Are we all filled? Who will join me in emptying a cup to success? Uh, just a moment. I'd like a word. I do raise my wine cup to the future. And I'd like to add to the toasts and good wishes by telling you... That this morning I became engaged to the loveliest woman in Pompeii, Oriana. And now, may everyone in this atrium, at this table, raise their cups to their lips. 
to love and success. And may Apollo watch over us. Lovely speech. Very nice. <coughs> of houses to build houses, ship... <coughs> ship... Oh. Marcus, uh, Marcus, what is it? What are you saying? It, it's too warm for me here. I must go. Uh, Marcus, why are you getting up? He looks very pale. Perhaps I should go with him. There is fire in my veins. Stay away from me! Don't try to stop me, anyone. I have my dagger. Stay away! It's tearing at my brain. So many colors, blinding colors! And come with me. Something has affected his mind. I fear for his life. Uh, will you excuse us? I must go help the poor man. He has suddenly gone mad. We are in a first century world looking at it from what is almost the 21st century. I don't know whether it has struck you as forcibly as it has me, but so far as I can see, only the conveniences have changed, not the people. The same rich, the same poor, the same stubborn, the same diehards, the foolish... The good, the bad, the loved, the unloved. The only difference is the place where you and I live now doesn't have death breathing fire four days from today. I'll be back with Act Three shortly. They said it couldn't be written. The book that hit America like a runaway locomotive. The new Consumer Information Catalog. For the life of me, Foster, your obsession with that book escapes me. It's only a catalog. The book that's helping America find a better way to live. What do you find in that catalog? Something you could never give me, Lillian. More than 200 back-filled federal publications listed inside. Booklets on home and car repairs, weight control, keeping household records, and more. I read them all to be the man you want me to be. That's a lot of reading. The book you have to read from the Consumer Information Center of the U.S. Government. The new Consumer Information Catalog. It's free. Just write to Free Catalog, Pueblo, Colorado, 81009. That's Free Catalog, Pueblo, Colorado, 81009. Send for the book. Don't wait for the movie. Do you know how to get the most for your money when you're buying air conditioners, vacuum cleaners, bologna, auto batteries, calculators, washers and dryers, cameras, insulation, house paint, margarine, freezers, tuna fish, insurance, lawnmowers, mopeds, food processors, radio, refrigerators, television sets, stereo systems, and automobiles? Well, these are just a few of the hundreds of products that Consumer Reports tests, rates, and investigates for you. Consumer Reports is published by America's leading non-profit product testing consumer organization. Completely independent. When you read Consumer Reports, you'll know how to get the most out of the dollars you you spend 1000 Subscribe now to Consumer Reports for this money-saving offer. 11 monthly issues of our magazine, Consumer Reports, plus the invaluable 1980 buying guide issue, plus our 383-page guide to drugs and health, plus the 1981 buying guide issue when published, 331-1000. A total value of $25.75, all for just $12. Just $12. To take advantage of this offer, dial this toll-free number, 800-331-1000. Consumer Reports, 800-331-1000. At the desperate Battle of Monmouth, a legend is being born before my very eyes. A young woman volunteer, Molly Pitcher, is helping fire one of the American cannons. Can you talk to us, Molly? Are you kidding? With half of the British Army coming at us? Fire! But isn't this hot, hard work for a woman? Hot and hard? Try cooking in a colonial kitchen sometime. Man or woman, we've all got to help our country. Today, thousands of women are volunteers who have joined National Guard and Reserve units. They are a vital part of our military manpower. And woman power. At only a fraction of the cost of equivalent active duty forces. Over 300,000 employers have signed a statement of support encouraging employees to participate in Guard and Reserve training. Shouldn't you? Hey, you employers out there. Don't you know that when you help a volunteer help our country, you're helping yourself? If you haven't signed a statement of support yet, you should be ashamed. By employer support, Arlington, Virginia, 22209. A public service on behalf of employer support of the Guard and Reserve and the Advertising Council. Act three of the second of The Last Days of Pompeii, as originally set down by Edward Bulwer-Lytton. Marcus Rufus, an Athenian, while drinking a toast at a banquet, has suddenly gone out of his head and runs wildly from the house of his friend, Diomed. 
chasing after him to see that he comes to no harm, is Arbaces, the high priest, and Apocytes, the young brother of Oriana. Arbaces, what should we do? It's quite dark now. We've walked the length of Pompeii, and Marcus Rufus has disappeared. I'm worried about that dagger he carries. Supposing he fell on it and injured himself. What's that? An owl. Owls and bats live in the tombs of the Via della Tombe. What makes you think Marcus came this way, Master? Well, he couldn't have doubled back. You heard him singing before. But we have no torches. The moon is covered by clouds. We'll never find him here along the street of tombs. There must be thousands of graves and vaults he could be hiding behind. There they go. A dozen bats. Never been proved, Senator, but a house will float and a ship will sing. That's Marcus. He's near us. Oriana, come help me. I don't feel well. Epicides, you take this path and I'll take the one to the left. When you find him, hold his arms behind him so he cannot do himself harm. Rats! Rats! Catch me if you can! Master, I think he's over this way. Lights, the colors. I've never seen such colors. Is it night or is it... The birth of the world. Master! Abasis! I think I've found Marcus! Marcus? Marcus Rufus. It is I, your friend, your future brother-in-law, Apocytes. Come enemies, come friends. There's such a new world of color and light. I can't get through there. It's a labyrinth of tombs. Abasis! Oh, I wish the moon would come out from behind the clouds so I could see something. Abasis, where are you? Stop. You. Why am I in the cemetery? You, sir. Who are you? Answer or forever hold your peace. Apocytes. Apocytes, did you say you had found Marcus? Murder. Oh, citizens, help me. A murderer on the Via della Tombe! Help me or the murderer escapes! Blood! Oh, his poor blood! Ah, did someone find murder? Are you a centurion? Yes, I am! Then look! Look for yourself! They tell me they found the lifeless body of Epicides and that I was standing beside him, blood on my dagger. I remember none of that. I couldn't understand what had happened to my mind. When I finally came to my senses, my hands had been tied behind my back. I lay in a dungeon. I'd been arrested. I see you've awakened. Are you Marcus Aurelius Rufus, lately of Athens? Are you a centurion? I am. Then I am Marcus Rufus. Of what am I charged? Murder. Whom have I murdered? A young priest, Apocytes. Apocytes? Apocytes is dead. How horrible. You knew the priest. He was... He was like a brother to me. Can you stand up? Uh, yes. Yes, I can. This rope that twists my arms behind me is uncomfortable. It must remain so. Now, you come with me. Where are you taking me? Pompey is fortunate that Publius Cornelius, the Roman senator, is visiting here. He's consented to be the judge. Publius Cornelius? Was he not a guest of Diomed, the shipowner? I believe he was. Do you know him? Very briefly. Well, that may be fortunate for you. It may assist you in the defense of your life. Senator, I am accused of a murder I did not commit. Malachus Rufus, I hardly know where to begin this interrogation. It seems but minutes ago we were all celebrating at the house of Diomed, and you, Marcus Rufus, were an honored guest. Senator, what happened this evening is equally mysterious to me. I, I ask myself, is this a living nightmare, or, or simply am I dreaming? You are not dreaming. The stain of blood is still on your right hand. On my right hand? That is only one of the mysteries of this dark deed. Why is there blood on my right hand? 
It was reported by the centurion and a witness that you were holding a dagger in that hand when you were discovered with the victim. But had I attacked anyone, Senator, it would not have been with my right hand. I am left-handed. You were also somewhat out of your mind, Marcus. Is it not possible that someone else killed my poor young friend while my mind was wandering, uh, smeared my dagger with the corpse's blood and placed it in my right hand? That would imply the victim was killed with another's knife. No such knife has been found. Has another knife been searched for? I ask again, could not another person have done the murder? For what reason? Would someone else kill the priest? For what reason would I wish to kill Episides? This very morning, I went to visit his own sister, Oriana, to learn what he already knew, that she had consented to marry me. Now, why would I even wish my future brother-in-law dead? Nay, why would I kill him? That, that is what I mean by a living nightmare. Marcus, it is you who must answer questions, not I. It is you who must defend yourself, or admit the crime. I have no defense. I have no memory of the deed. All I can say is I was not myself. Mm. Bring in the witnesses, please. Gentlemen and lady, will you kindly identify yourself? I am German, Senator, but you know that. Let us keep this strictly formal. And your name, sir? I am Arbaces. The high priest of the temple of Isis. And you, miss? I am Julia, the daughter of Diomed. Would you say, Diomed, that Marcus Rufus here ever evidenced any animosity towards the deceased? Oh, no, I know of none. Did the prisoner behave in any threatening manner towards the deceased when you last saw him? Well, you know he didn't, Senator. You were right there at the dinner. Marcus was making a toast when... Something happened to him. It was as though the god Chaos had taken possession of his body. You, Julia, I understand you invited the deceased, Apsides, to the banquet. Was he a friend of yours? No. He was a friend of a friend of mine, Arbaces, the high priest here. I see. So it was you, Arbaces, who invited the deceased to Diamond's dinner? I thought it would be pleasant for him. He had been studying the priesthood at our temple. A bright young man. I had no idea it would be his last meal on earth. A terrible end. I seem to remember you and he went out after Marcus when the accused ran out of the house. Yes, yes. We both followed him until it became quite dark and then we got separated. And then? Well, by one of the tombs, I thought I saw this Athenian and the young priest in earnest conversation. Uh, the Athenian, Marcus, waving his arms wildly, much the same as when you last saw him yourself, Senator, at the banquet. Uh, then I, uh, I saw him raise his dagger... I ran forward, but too late to avert the blows. He had stabbed his victim twice. I struck the murderer to the ground and called for help. Marcus Aurelius Rufus, what do you say to that? Nothing. I remember none of it. I was returned to my cell. An hour later, I was brought some food. As a favor, so that I could eat, the centurion unbound my hands. I grasped the bench I'd been sitting on with both hands. Knocked <laughs> the centurion flat into a faint and ran. Who is it that rings my door this time of night? It is I, Oriana. Marcus Rufus. Let me in. What are you doing here, Marcus? How could you possibly come here? They haven't even buried my brother yet. Oriana, there is only one person in the world I can trust. And it's you. I tell you now, I did not kill Apocytes. Whatever spell I was under, whatever sickness infected me, I loved your brother too much to have ever raised a finger against him. Marcus Aurelius Rufus, we know you've taken refuge in the house of the marble fawn. Come out as an honorable man. And obey the laws of Rome. How did 
they know I was here. Marcus, there is no place to hide. If if I can get up on the roof, I can escape from roof to roof. There's no moon tonight. Escape to where? My boat, perhaps. Uh, perhaps back to Greece. Marcus, if someone else killed my brother, surely it will be discovered. All you have to do is tell the truth. You don't understand. I don't know the truth. I cannot remember what happened. Marcus! Rufus! Come out of your own free will! Give yourself up! Oriana, where are the stairs to the upper story? Was it yesterday, Marcus? Last night, when I, too, suffered a lapse of memory? By Jove and Jupiter, when you were taken to the Temple of Isis... All you remember is a hand over your face and being given something to drink by Abases. It's still a blank, whatever happened in the temple. Abases. Could something have been placed in my cup of wine tonight? Hide me, Oriana, till I can think this through. I was up on the roof before the centurion could gather his wits. I knew these roofs and the way the houses all backed on one another. I've designed enough of them. No point in remaining in Pompeii now. Perhaps someday I'd come back and clear myself. In the meantime, Oriana would do some thinking. If our bases had drugged her, why not me? I jumped for it, missed my step, and turned my ankle. Ah! Ah! Too bad, Marcus. You broke that beautiful jar. I've been watching you running about the rooftops like a squirrel. You must think we centurions are fools. Now come along quietly without awakening the rest of the city. Centurion, how did you know where to find me? Which house? The witness Arbaces told us. Ah, I might have guessed. He is determined to get me into trouble. The senator has called an emergency meeting of the Senate... To determine what to do with you. I was trapped in this cell and I knew it. There was no escape now. I knew that too. I began to doubt my own innocence. Perhaps those who had given evidence against me knew something about me I did not. Marcus Aurelius Rufus. It is the judgment of the Senate that you may have not been completely sound of mind at the time of the murder. Therefore, to follow the precepts of the primeval god, Chaos, in determining your guilt or innocence, you shall be tried tomorrow by the king of the beasts. Oh, oh no, no. The lion shall judge. If he slays you not, it will be a true sign you are innocent. If you are guilty, death will be your punishment. It is the judgment of the Senate that you, Marcus Aurelius Rufus, at tomorrow's gladiatorial games, shall be thrown to the lions. said before that in 1900 years, all that has changed were the conveniences of living, that people have not. Let me amend that. The meeting out of justice, distinguishing the guilty from the innocent, has, thank heaven, also changed. Lions are no longer judges. Appetite no longer determines guilt. But this is Pompeii in 79 A.D., a city with only three days of life itself. I shall be back shortly. When you see her, you walk on by. You don't know him. You won't even try. That's Stella Reese, singing about how people with epilepsy are sometimes misunderstood. Do you know that epilepsy can happen to anyone, at any age, for many causes? Epilepsy can begin from a bad case of measles. I'm Gerald June. I know. At nine years old, I contracted measles encephalitis. Now I have epilepsy, but it doesn't stop me from writing music. My kind of epilepsy couldn't have been prevented then. It can now. When you see her, you walk on by. You don't know him. You won't even try. They don't want you to hold their hands. They just need 
to understand. To learn about causes and prevention, contact your local chapter of the Epilepsy Foundation of America or write Epilepsy, Washington, D.C., 20036. of the five last days of Pompeii. Sir Walter Scott called Pompeii the city of the dead. I deny that. Those whose voices you have heard, whose lives you have shared, are very much alive. And thanks to that eminent author, Sir Edward Bulwer-Lytton, to say nothing of the scholars and archaeologists who came after him, Pompeii lives and will always live. And like all mysteries presented on Mystery Theater... If you wish the truth, you must dig deep. Our cast included Russell Horton, E.V. Juster, Christopher Tabori, Valika Gray, and Earl Hammond. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. In our preview of the third day in our special series, The Last Days of Pompeii, half prophet, half fiend. What kind of wine is it? You taste it and see. <laughs> Nothing but the best for our prisoners. Hey, don't throw that. You... I threw the entire beaker of wine into the centurion's face. And before he could recover, I'd snatched the keys from his waist, run to the adjoining cell, and unlocked it. My eyes! My eyes! I what do we do now, Diamed? We run for it. This way. <laughs> No, 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 no. That is closed off. It, it must be. It must be the other way. I'm Oh, by Jupiter, I'm lost. No, 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 I'm not. We can get out down this corridor. Are you sure you know how to get out of this prison? You That passage leads nowhere. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.